0: You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard podcast. We'd love for you to join us to discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us. Head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Good morning. We are so delighted that you could join us this morning. Just want to warn you this morning, I want to speak a little bit prophetically into what I believe is ahead for us, but also practically into the current moment. It's interesting though, I feel like the timing of the two have really collided. I believe what's happening Practically, is just sharpening our viewfinder for what the Lord is stirring. We have to constantly, uh, consistently ask ourselves, what is the Lord doing and how can we join him in it? In many ways, I don't believe some of therefore what I'm going to share is is new or a change of direction, but it's more a reminder and therefore is exciting as we press into the journey of discovery for all that the Lord has for us to get on with in this chapter as his people in this city. And so practically, you know, we're aware that there's a whole groundswell of conversations that happen as to when will we be back together? You know, hang on a minute, how come most of the non-essential shops are opening? How come even the pubs are open and yet we're not meeting together? I just want to speak practically into that because one thing I can say with absolute certainty is that actually we can't say anything with absolute certainty. We've always said that we'd consider four things. How can we do it honorably, safely, practically, uh, sorry, prayerfully and quickly Part of my other job is helping church plants in the vineyard and that's caused me to dig into things on a whole level of detail. I have to tell you that I've read the government guidance page after page after page after page. I've read the Church of England guidance and the many risk assessments. I've read the Evangelical Alliance's guidance. I've read the vineyard church's guidance. I've chatted with national leaders, regional leaders, area leaders, church leaders, church planters, both nationally and internationally. I've been on regular calls with many of the the churches in Manchester and some of the key church leaders. Um, Prior to the pandemic, we used to chat monthly. Currently, they're also chatting now even weekly. And you need to know that with every fibre within me, we want to be with you in person. Having been ill at the start of the year, I've actually only been with you for three Sundays this year in person. If anyone is chomping at the bit to be with you, honestly, I am that person. But we should not be caught in thinking just because the pubs are reopening and various other places and the wording around places of worship being open that somehow that means something has changed for us. Much of the conversation currently on the table is more around the economy and mental health rather than it being a decision of what is actually the best thing to do. The guidance for the places of worship That is actually more strongly worded than guidance is phenomenally restrictive. Bear in mind that it was written with all faith groups in mind, not just us and the church context in which we meet, but we're very aware that the practical outworking of others is often quite different to ourselves. The government has also given faith groups a number of concessions that they haven't given to other groups or industries. They've listened to some of what we have been saying recently, but they also believe and realize that we would take the care of people very, very seriously. You know, within the vineyard, we don't need a priest or a sacred space to engage with God. Some do and therefore the need to be with the priest or to be in a certain building has pushed them to make some of the decisions they might make. That obviously means that the government have sought ways for those places of worship to be open. What would it look like for us to gather right now? Well, it would mean no singing, no speaking in a way that would cause anybody to raise their voice. It would mean no sharing of food or drink. It would mean that we'd sit in rows Um, and facing the front whilst also socially distancing. They say for a building that could hold around 300 people that would now take a maximum of 60 to 70. Entering the building through one entrance and leaving through another. Not engaging or interacting with anybody other than the people that that you arrive with. Let me just say exactly what that means to quote on this point. We have been asked to reinforce that worshipers should limit their interaction with anyone they're not attending the place of worship with, i.e. if they are attending a communal service with one other household, wherever possible, they should try not to engage in conversation with anybody outside of that group, i.e. you can't socially engage with anyone Basically, you shouldn't really even be talking with anyone other than those you arrived with. Your children need to stay with you at all times in your family bubble. You need to pre-register to come. Significant numbers of you can't be there anyway because of the requirement on them for medical grounds, which would mean they're excluded. That is actually a lot more people than sometimes we might realize. It's interesting as well, I'd say, as the pubs have rushed back this particular week. I noticed in the headlines on Monday day that a number of them were being highlighted in the media as a source of potential localized spread. We don't want to be in the papers for the wrong reason. All of that said, with all of the government guidelines, guidance and guidelines, they have said that they believe it is not a possibility but a probability that the church will spread this virus because of the way we would relate to each other in those gathered environments. I would say that is 100% the reality if we look at how this is working out internationally. We have to be wise. You know, the vast majority of churches in this city, of vineyards in this country will not be doing anything this side of September to gather together in person. I'm cautious in even saying a time frame like that as there are many other considerations still at play. To name just a few, you know, would the school allow us back? If anyone gets the virus, the whole school would need to close for 72 hours. We'd all have to self-isolate and be tracked and traced. Would any of you even come bearing in mind everything that I've said so far? Teams and the experience would be so depleted. Worship, which is a significant part of who we are, it's our values and it's our culture, would have to be so different. As would hospitality, you know, what we've seen so far, is what in our hearts we long to be a celebration and a gathering with excitement, could actually feel like a time of of sadness and mourning. Where our strength in so much of who we are has been a multi-generational family feel that would be so restrictive on large parts of what we are. No kids, no vulnerable, people, none who are shielding and so on. I could go on and on and on and on, but I dare say you realize if we were to try and do something, we would not be able to be the people that we believe we're called to be. Until we can do something better than online in person, we will continue to be online. We will of course continue to look at it, constantly considering it and reviewing it. What is What is wise rather than worry? you know, what could small groups look like? Which by the way, also fall under very strict criteria. It's not just, oh, this is a few mates hanging out. The rules and the criteria they have set apply to outdoor spaces if, and um, many of them are actually quite restrictive because it's also seen as facilitating church and falls under this criteria. I'm, I'm sorry all of this in many ways feels quite negative and actually sucks the life out of us, i also want to be realistic and honest i know many of you are questioning it and thought it might be helpful just to give you the picture so how we will when we can we'll do it honorably safely prayerfully and quickly i hope that just gives you a quick snapshot of overview of what is currently happening you know overall And this is where I just want to change pace and tact this morning. Overall, the opportunities are still greater than our challenges. I don't say that lightly or dismissively. I know the pain many of you are carrying the relational pain, the financial pain, and in so many ways. I know that for some of you that's even harder where you may be older or single, and we could list off a whole list of things here for some of you that you're facing, the many challenges of loss and grief. And I almost reluctantly specifically mention a few groups because I don't wanna miss so many of you in the process. I don't wanna belittle or downplay all that you're feeling and carrying. We're constantly working and considering how best to love and serve you and support you throughout this season. But you know, we were never a Sundays-focused church. I'm not saying I don't love Sundays, oh, how I do. The family gathered, can't wait for it again, but the family gathered for what? To scatter. The meeting place is the training place for the marketplace. It just so happens now we find ourselves more and more in the marketplace. Wasn't that always the aim? You know, Sundays will come back, but in the meantime, Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold tightly without wavering To the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another towards love, acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but to encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So we cling to hope. We find ways to encourage each other to love and good works. And we don't neglect meeting together. Yes, currently it's online. It's seeing people in a socially distanced appropriate way whilst we know that this season will not be forever. But whilst it is, let us get every drop of good out of it that we possibly can, because that's what kingdom people do. We're called to cling on to hope. You know, last week I started a new series called Rise Up and basing some of the thinking on a phrase that we used in a vision talk called Rise Up. If you missed that vision talk, or actually if you missed last week, can I encourage you to watch them? Because we said now is a time for us to rise up and individually and collectively be all that God has called us to be, to step into the fullness of all that God has for us. You know, there is so much ahead for us as a church if we will rise up and take our place. I want to talk today about rising up and investing in our city. We're not trying to get the whole city into the church, but we are trying to get the whole church into the city. We aren't trying to just gather in services, we're trying to minister to our city. We aren't just looking for a movement of God in the church, we're looking for a movement of the church in the city, which is a movement of God. We're seeking to be an overflow and have the overflow of individuals under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, breathing life into the places and the spaces that we interact with. Our vision is bigger than a Sunday gathering because we want to shape the culture of the city. We want to invest in the city. We, how, do, how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, we want to plant ourselves. To invest in the city, we have to plant ourselves individually and therefore collectively. Never has the need to be planted been starker and in starker focus. You know, in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about investing resources like a farmer sows seeds. Paul uses a dozen metaphors throughout Corinthians and in the passage, and I briefly want to look at how he compares stewarding to farming. And encouraging the Corinthians to be generous, he instructs the church to view its resources like a farmer views sowing seed. Let's just have a read of it. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6. Let me, let me read it to you if, you if you don't have a Bible this morning. But it says this, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop you must decide you must each decide in your own heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for god loves a person who gives cheerfully and god will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others as the scriptures say They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And then when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Let's let's just take a look at that passage and look at a couple of principles for investing. This is, this is going to be fairly quick fire. I hope that's okay. But firstly, this is about a generous heart, a generous heart. The passage says a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your own heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly. Or in response to pressure we are praying the lord increases the generosity of our hearts where has he planted you where are you planted which house which street which workplace which community which family which friendship group what does it look like for you to be generous with it for it about it you know this last week and i've been very careful how i share this and it will dilute the story as I'm careful, but that's okay. One of you in your workplace became aware of a need and practically did something about it. It led to extravagant generosity. Yes, the beneficiary was blessed and I love that. I don't downplay that. That's part of it. But what I love is the impact that will have on your workplace. Seeing you passionately Passionately step into seeing need and realizing that you could do something about it, opening a door for the church to stand alongside you in it, but opening the door of the hearts of your colleagues and co-workers to see the generosity of God and the heart that you have, and as a church we have to invest in the city. That's that is powerful. You know, how do we invest in the city? Well, we we invest, we 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 plant our hearts. Hearts of generosity in the environment we currently find ourselves. That's what we do. We invest, we plant and embed our hearts and we give something, we invest something to the people around us. The second thing is God will provide. You know, a good farmer liberally sows seed, trying to ensure that they have a good and a full harvest. The more he sows, the more he reaps. You can't harvest if you haven't planted. We can't see a harvest come in for the city if we haven't planted ourselves or a seed for it. Sometimes we find it hard to sow a seed because we feel that we're deficient to give that in the first place. We find it hard to invest in the city because we feel we've got too many demands ourselves. But why on earth are you talking about investing in the city? I'm just trying to hold a job down. You know, I'm just trying to put bread on the table at the minute. I'm just trying to help my, my my parents. I'm trying to care for them. I'm just trying to hold a marriage together. I'm just trying to homeschool my children. You know, work is very busy and stressful at the moment. And with all the added demands and pressure of this time, and yet you're talking about investing in the city. I mean, give me a break. I'm just trying to invest in what I've got going on that's right in front of me. We can feel deficient. We can feel like our resources and commodities are about to run out. To, to invest in the city i honestly believe will 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 take what we already have and will be reshaped our thinking will be reshaped to allow us to sow seed knowing that the harvest will come and will be more will be created in the process including for us to have and for us then to have more to give let me let me just give you the two the two sides of this there's a there's a deficiency perspective and there's a sufficiency perspective, okay? Deficiency and sufficiency. On on the one hand, we want to hold tightly to something. On the other hand, we would give it and give it freely. Deficiency will make us feel defensive. Sufficiency will cause us to go on the offensive, seeking out opportunities to love and serve. On the one hand, we'd want to maintain something. On the other hand, we would want to create something new. On the one hand, we would try and escape loss. On the other hand, we will pursue with everything within us, vision. On the one hand, we would try and contain gifts. On the other hand, we would try and release gifts. You know, on the one hand, we would be reactive. On the other hand, we would be proactive. On the one hand, we'd guard and protect. On the other, we would seek to risk and seize opportunity. On the one hand, we'd find ourselves at the point of stagnation. On the other hand, we would find ourselves at the point of multiplication. On the one hand, we'd be paralyzed and want to hold on. On the other hand, we'd seek a dynamic of letting go. On the one side, it would be narrow and closed. And on the other side, it would be wide and it would be open. On the one hand, we'd think through the lens of win and loss. On the other hand, we'd think through the lens of win-win. You know, we do you, do you see what I'm trying to get at? Sufficiency is, is the place that we find ourselves. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? Because I don't believe we've ever been better placed to see seize the opportunity to invest in our city, to realize that we're a planted people. Verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. He's planted you and he's purposed you to be in places and environments that you're in in this city to bring an overflow. And he will give you what you need, but it's not just for you. There's going to be plenty for others. This is not deficiency. This is, this, sorry, this is not um, deficiency. This is sufficiency. You will have an overflow to give to others. When you find yourself in hard places, in draining environments, in, around difficult colleagues or difficult line managers, God will give generously. To provide all you need then you will always have everything you need but also plenty left over to share with others you are planted to bring investment to bring creativity to bring leadership to bring um, kingdom perspective to the place that you're in i don't know if you've ever thought that or realized that one of the greatest investments that you'll bring to the environment you're in in this city is leadership Because as kingdom carriers, you carry and you have authority, seeking to be an overflow as an individual under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to bring life to the places and spaces that you interact with. You're you're a light on a stand. That's not under a bowl. You're a light on a stand. Sometimes you might feel stretched, you might feel hard-pressed, but I believe he will empower you to rise up and generously provide you with all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others do you see that i hope that makes sense to invest that's our role that's what we do the third thing the, the poor are a key part of this I often reflect, and I have again this week, on two things. Have I, firstly, have I shown you enough of Jesus for you to know him, understand him, love him with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your strength? And secondly, have I encouraged us to serve the poor, the lost, the broken, and the marginalised? As we invest in this city, the poor are a huge part of this. Verse eight, and I will give generously to provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Who are the others? Who are we sharing with? Verse nine, and the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. We give it, we share it, with the poor, says their good deeds will be remembered forever. Jesus consistently identified with the poor people of his day, spent most of his public time in ministry with people in the marketplace and the street, rubbing shoulders and elbows with the sick, the sinners, and the poor the sick, the sinners, and the poor, seeking to liberate them from everything that enslaved them. Jesus can and he does, and he gives us courage and an overflow of resources to serve the poor of this city. He can and he is and he will continue to open our eyes to the oppressed poor in the communities around us and give us wisdom and leading in how best to minister to their needs. That's what he does. He has planted you here in this time to rise up for this. Remember the first part, point, point, it really starts with our hearts. I believe he's stirring us afresh. I've been broken myself so afresh this week for the poor of this city. You know, can I say this almost prophetically that I believe in this time, many have been unsettled to be reawakened. You're, you're on the dawn of, of new dreams. I believe he's stirring many things in many people. And how this will look. I just want to go a bit further for a few of you because I believe for for some of you this this is going to go further. You're going to move house. Some of you will be you will move areas to be part of what the to be part of the story of God and what He's going to do and write in your life and write in the community as He draws your hearts to specific people. Hey, if that means nothing to you, don't worry at all. But I believe that's going to resonate for some of you. The principles for investing: it's generous hearts. God's going to provide it. We don't need to worry about what we're going to give because he's going to give us it to give. The poor are a key part of it. Then the fourth one, as you rise up and invest, he will transform you. I believe that. Verse 10 says, For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Do you you hear that? Do you see that? Reflected in this passage, He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. As we rise up and invest, He transforms us. You know, this, this last week we had 30 seconds of sun, and, and and when we did, on the one evening that we had it, I did the standard thing. I rapidly grabbed the barbecue and put it on, and I've cooked up a storm. I'll spare you the details for the sake of the vegetarians, but the, the butcher would have been proud. And anyway, me and Liv, she's free. Me and her, we love corn the cob, and this is a veggie safe story, so don't worry. But the corn on the cob has no nutritional value, but we both, for some reason, we just love it. So as an early day lockdown boost to myself, I bought some of those little um, fork things that you stick in the end of the corn on the cob so that you can hold it. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, um, as I sat down to eat, Liv holds hers up and she's basically nailed it. She's eaten round it like a little animal and all there is left is just a couple of, maybe four or five at max, little bits of corn left on the end. And she holds it up and she says, Daddy, do you want mine? I finished, can I have yours? (laughs) And I thought, you little joker. And, um, but of course she could. Of course she could have mine. Of course I then wasn't going to have one myself because we learn to give away what we have even if the process costs us. Now, I know that's a small, irrelevant illustration, but do you see what I'm trying to say? Investing costs us. It means giving something of ourselves, sometimes to the point of cost and sacrifice for ourselves. But as we learn to be more and more open-handed with what we have... He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. As we do it our hearts are softened, softened, changed and transformed. We don't wait until we're ready to do it because we take ourselves to the place of, 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 of doing it and as we do our hearts and mind catch up because by doing it and as we do it we're transformed. Verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. We're transformed as we do this, as we step out and get on with it. Final thing, we invest as we invest in the city, our hearts will point towards the source. You know, our investment in the city reveals why we have a heart to invest in the city in the first place. Verse 11, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank you. God. They will thank God. They will see something of Jesus. The people we reach into, they don't need us, but they do need him. They need Jesus. But we have to realize we're part of that. We have to rise up and step into it because we're the torchbearers of him and for him. So what what does that look like for you where you're planted? We have to realize and we have to kind of rise up and realize that we are planted we are a planted people friends i've got to say this we're in a spiritual war the enemy is going to try and restrict and downplay what you carry and where you carry it so what's that going to look like well for some of you that's relational tension in your marriage with your kids with an employer an employee with your neighbors however that might outwork for some of you that's apathy you might just want to sit back, and say, like, oh, whatever it is, what it is, almost in tick-over mode. Some of you is circumstantial. There are random happenings that just cause you to want to back off and sit back. Some of you is health restrictions and limitations. I could go on and on and on and on. All of that is what the enemy does. Don't let anything or anyone stand in the way and cause you to withhold what he's put on your life to be planted and invested in this city verse 11 and when you take your gifts to those who need them they will thank God we have to rise up and realize that we're planted to invest in the city and as we do it brings the revelation of Jesus to others eyes and hearts will see why we have turned to them why we've stepped out and responded and invested in them their eyes will be revealed to Jesus you know the cry of my heart is that this pandemic would would cause us to realize this all the more that the change to sundays and being together for this brief period of time what in the long term would just be the blink of an eyelid would be more, would would for us more than ever just highlight the journey he has us on to invest beyond ourselves you know i'm praying that you will be enriched in every way that's what the passage says enriched in every way in this time for all that lies ahead for us as we continue to generously give away and invest in this city and to plant ourselves among its people and its places. We've got to be ready for what's ahead. We've got to be ready for what is coming. I trust that's helpful for us this morning. Why Why don't we just pray together this morning? Thanks for listening to find out more head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description